the Augustin Hosinga show with your host Augustin Hosinga. Smack the shit out your bitch ass midget girlfriend, nigga. <laughs> Welcome back to the Agostino Zynga show with I, your host, Agostino Zynga, and this is episode number 602, that says zero dos of the Agostino Zynga show. Welcome back, my family and my friends. It's good to have you here once again, listening to my dulcet tones and hearing my superb insights on all things culture on the number one cultural commentary podcast in the world the only one the best one the greatest one i've just realized because i've got another monitor that i haven't actually moisturized my face hence why i look very flaky and dry so don't be concerned it's not excessive eczema or eczema whatever it's called i used to have that when i was younger don't have it anymore i promise i'm clean i promise it's just me not moisturizing my face and obviously I haven't shampooed my hair. So my hair looks a bit mad, my face looks a bit crusty, but if you listen to this podcast via the audio platform, you have absolutely no idea about it. And if you watch this via YouTube, why are you judging? I thought we're meant to be accepting everybody how they are. <laughs> anyway, back on the show, back again. Thank you again for tuning in. It's been a pleasure, as usual, to be pumping out the content for you guys. I'm loving it. I'm loving it, I'm loving it, I'm loving it, of course, isn't it? You know how the deal is, you know how the deal is. Anyway, so, first things first, I want to jump into, let's get right on into it. I wanted to mention how incredible it is to see, um, you know, the return of freestyling, especially when it comes to rap or it comes to hip-hop. I know a lot of these guys that go on the radio station aren't actually freestyling, and a lot of the raps that they're obviously um, rapping on these shows are definitely stuff that they've pre-written prior to going on there. Some do do stuff off the top of their head, but I do like this idea of rappers going on shows or going on stations like um, Hot 97 and Flunkfex's show and a few other people's show and essentially promoting their album, you know, via the medium of showcasing how good of a rapper they are and one person who kind of got me hooked and got me interested in checking out his album was this rapper called Simba right I'm not really that familiar with him I've heard him mentioned on a few places like No Jumper because a few of those guys on there are personal friends of his but I've never really paid that much attention to his music I'm thinking if I'm not mistaken he might have been on the episode of No Jumper show or Disconnected or at the end of the day or one of them sometime along the line but I never actually paid that much attention to his actual you know artistry and whatnot but he recently sat down with Funk Flex and delivered quite possibly one of the best freestyles I've heard this year, which immediately made me go out and copy his album or, you know, get it on flipping um, the DSPs, right? Uh, and it's called Results Take Time by Simba, hosted by DJ Drama. Really incredible freestyle here on Funk Flex. I'm going to play the clip for you. I don't care if I get demonetized. I think this freestyle is worth spreading and getting out there so people can hear it. This is Simba on Funk Flex over the cream instrumental absolutely spitting hot fire flames check i started from the bay it's amazing i made it here i guess it's safe to say i'm having a hell of a year flex it's an honor to meet you but let's be clear i didn't have a bone to pick with your ass for four years uh -huh. you've been a big part of this culture my whole life so what i'm about to say almost don't feel right uh -huh. you say some wild shit most times you actually right but all that disrespecting tupac shit stops tonight tupac, I apologize. tupac gave all of us pride that's why when you said what you said we were surprised how you wait 20 some years after he died to come on this mother and keep screaming he lied and he ain't alive to tell his side True. but i ain't mad at you because you were speaking your mind to keep it real you said what's on half of these niggas mind just the next time you said don't sound like you about to cry shit 
But now that that's out the way, let's get straight to it. Cause I got a whole <laughs> lot to say nowadays. Most rappers I see in double XL is glorifying shit that we was talking to ourselves. They told us the streets would leave a nigga dead or in jail. We started hooping and rapping to better ourselves. But that comes with baggage, cause you'll need help. And the niggas who help is niggas from a life that you left. So they take chances for you to be a success while you try to get on to help save them from themselves. Uh -huh. Everybody plays a role, so if this whole shit fails, it's back to running the streets where every man to himself. It's hard to tell a nigga to leave the streets, especially when the Come money here. that they making is funding your dream. So even though we hoop and rap to make it out of the trap, it's the resources we lack that keep us circling back. Ooh. You gotta reach back to keep your circle intact, cause when niggas can't go with you, your character gets attacked. Yeah. The niggas that's attached put batteries in your back, don't let you know when you slack, cause they don't wanna go back. So how do you detach? When the ones who helped you make it can't make it the way you act And you growing at a pace that's hard for niggas to catch And they want you to stay the same, that's when it creates a gap I'm at the point where I fear less and feel more Cause where I'm from, fear can keep you from what you here for I told niggas I'm grinding so we can live more What's crazy is we rapping for shit that niggas yes, get killed sir. for You see when nobody's eating and niggas still poor That's when everybody want all they niggas to win more And one friend gets what others thought they was meant for And before he gets it going, they tell you he ain't do shit for him this fame shit's a lot. I'm about to go on tour. These lines be round the block. They told me not to fuck these thoughts on every stop. Shit, I ain't even shaking hands. I'm scared of the monkey pox. Hey. 100K jury, that's two chains and a watch. But I'm spending my per diem on t-shirts and socks. New York about to pop. I pray nobody get shot. Chicago gonna be windy, but Texas finna be hot. Mm. I ain't been home in weeks. My album about to drop. Imagine all the fans I'ma lose if this shit flop. It's oh, all competing God. with Drake for the top spot. But imagine what we about to go through with these robots. R.I.P. to P.M.B. Rock mm. I said R.I.P. to P.M.B. Rock What? R.I.P. to P.M.B. Rock Man, you niggas from the block Kill more niggas than cops Let me stop You know what it is Best That was so hard And that immediately made me go out and copy his album And legitimately was so refreshing to see somebody going in to one of these freestyle things and actually delivering and actually kind of providing, actually using it as a platform to gain new fans as he did myself. The album itself is absolutely incredible. Results takes time. It's actually quite interesting because it's a DJ drama hosted album, but obviously, you, you know, people know DJ drama from hosting um, the Gangster Grills mixtapes. But I feel like, again, maybe I'm a bit, maybe I'm kind of, you know, a bit of a fanboy in this regard but i feel like ever since tyler the creator did a you know a tape or an album with dj drama i feel like there's been a resurgence or every kind of a renewal of his sort of legacy and his influence in hip-hop and people have been kind of going to him more to kind of you know executive produce and put together these amazing bodies of work and for the most part i don't think i've heard one that's missed so far dj drama's done a really good job in terms of covering different sort of artists and different sort of lanes and sort of delivering the best version of a gangster grill type album mixtape type thing he done and i think this is really awesome as well especially the themes around it right um him basically talking about his struggle simba talking about um you know how it is to have no money talking about you know the conflicts that happen when you do end up getting successful the the, the, the situations that you know that you're put in how people change around you relationship friendships especially going especially considering what's happening now in the world with the recession and people losing their jobs left right and center i think i mentioned in the stream lately that patreon was laying off like 70 percent of their flipping staff members there's clearly something happening out there right in terms of people being able to basically put food on the table and feed their families and whatnot so him having this incredible album which is basically a motivational i feel like decree um, or basically a reason for you to kind of keep your head up, whatever it may be. I think it's really, really awesome. So check it out if you haven't already. It's by a rapper called Simba, hosted by DJ Drama, but the album's called Results Take Time, available now on all major DSPs. Don't delay. Get that bad boy today. Next on this, I quickly wanted to touch upon. I've heard, obviously, most of you guys know that the Apple event happened recently where they announced the release of the iPhone 14 Pro and Pro Max and also the regular iPhone 14. But one of the things that really kind of caught my attention was the Apple Watch Ultra, which is essentially a Apple Watch geared towards people who, you know, do loads of outdoor activities, whether it be mountaineering, hiking, running, cross-country, you know... Um, what do you call it, hanging out in the snow, swimming, whatever it may be, right? But it's mostly um, gauged around those kind of people and tracking all those kind of movements. And for me, 
I've always been kind of on the fence with Apple Watches, mostly because a lot of them at the time, when remember the first couple of ones that released, they didn't actually have any, um, what you call it? They didn't have any GPS on it. So you had to basically have your phone on you to have GPS activated. But I think the latest ones nowadays have GPS already built into the phone, already built into sorry, to the smartwatch. So you can effectively just go out with your smartwatch and stream music off of it without having your phone on you. So you can kind of disconnect a little bit because, you know, the reason why you'd want an Apple Watch, I think in my regard, especially for me, would be so I don't have any distractions when I'm working out or when I'm out going for a run or whatnot. You just want to kind of be um, untethered from your iPhone for a little bit and just, you know, immerse yourself in whatever physical activity you're doing. So to see them go so super hard on this flipping Apple Ultra makes me believe that they're suddenly maybe finally trying to pivot into kind of appealing to that market of people because I feel like that market of people will be willing to buy these watches for whatever price they, they pay because they usually pay quite high for crazy other GPS watches that they use. So this is an article courtesy from Verge, which is a review of the Apple um, Ultra Watch. It says it's an aspirational debut. Uh, it starts off as follows. The Apple Watch Ultra is big, a little chunky, and goes hard on features that average um, Joe wouldn't need in everyday life. And at $799, it's steep, don't get me wrong. So the fact that I'm considering it is insane. And only Apple could do this, right? Only Apple could maybe consider buying a flipping £800 smartwatch. I don't even own a regular watch, but I'm willing to pay £800 for a smartwatch. Absolutely insane. And I think if you add a couple more thousand onto that, you could probably get yourself a Rolex, right? Mad. Maybe even a second-hand one. Absolutely crazy. It continues. The Apple is the most expensive watch in the current Apple lineup, Hermes edition excluded. After a week of testing, I don't think it's going to bump Garmin Polar or Chorus watches for the Ironman, True Hiker or Deep Sea Diving crowds, at least not yet. But it's legitimately good for weekend warriors and intermediate athletes and very tempting for folks who aspire to that status as a whole. A lot of people who just want to the biggest bad Apple watch they can get. And this is the genius part of Apple's, you know, positioning and brand marketing and communication. This is this is who they were always talking to anyway. The Apple Watches were always, in general, especially the sport ones, were always mostly, I thought, geared towards weekend warriors and intermediate athletes, especially people like myself, right? I'll describe myself as, you know, falling underneath those two categories. Obviously, you aspire to be a Ironman, cross-country, deep-sea diving person, but for the most part... You are doing these things before you go to work, after you finish work, on the weekends when you're free. So you're not exactly doing it on a professional schedule and you're not obviously doing it to the highest level and you're not competing against some of the best athletes. You're just doing it to keep yourself fit and to keep pushing yourself and to see how far you can go. And clearly that's something that I enjoy too. So if Apple can you know, service that market, they can absolutely dominate and kill. Um, it continues. First attempts at the new form factors are a mixed bag, promising features with a dash of annoying emissions or kinks that will get worked out down the line. This is true of Ultra, but Apple proved this a at least a done its homework by adding the action button beefing up durability including multi-band gps and improving battery life to the point where you don't have to charge it daily um it falls short of the garmin loyalist but i do think it's enough to make a few of them curious which is pretty decent a seven out of ten for their first try on this watch because usually you know um apple is known for iteration so of each model they basically tinker and t and tweak things to get it just right and by the end you're usually going to get the perfect rendition of it for instance you know the iphone 14 is probably going to be the best version of an iphone because they're kind of slowly but surely improved features improved form factor and made it better as it goes along and i think the same thing will happen with the ultra so maybe a few ultra watches down the line you'll have a really really um robust and cleverly put together um a smartwatch that will appeal to a lot of people um so this is here the good the good um, quickly the good of courtesy of the verge is that it's a comfortable for its size the best battery life for any apple watch it's a comprehensive safety features it has an action button the big screen is good for readability it's got improved durability and all models come with cellular which is absolutely incredible the bad it lacks recovery metrics no offline maps or turn-by-turn -turn navigation which, you know, I guess, more aspirational than hardcore, true, and size may be too big for every very petite wrist. Yeah, it does It does look absolutely massive. I'm not going to lie. It looks like an absolute chunk of fun. It looks like the kind of watches that I'd see my African uncles who I go, who, who I sit next to at the barbers wearing, or who, you know, you see kind of, you know, outside a certain station perusing around, waiting for their date to come and link them. Now, with these massive watches and really shiny blazers and really pointy painting shoes and shit. So this kind of looks like that, but... 
I'm I'm a big fan of it regardless, you know, especially um if I'm able to kind of use it when I go to my everyday runs and do all my little kind of excessive um you know activities going forward. But like I said before, only Apple can make me consider buying a seven hundred or so eight hundred dollar watch that's this fucking big, looks absolutely chunky on this lady's wrist. I think it's a lady because it's got an engagement ring on. Um, it looks absolutely wild, man. But hey, regardless, I'm a big fan of it. Love the design of it. Um, love how it looks. Love the bright action button there on the side with that kind of set bright safety orange kind of reminds me a little bit of hair and preston which is funny because you know safety orange is kind of like a general universal color but for it to be associated with one designer obviously speaks to how good he's done in terms of getting his brand across out there but in general i do like the look of it i'm not going to lie i definitely love the look of it i don't like the look of it in terms of using it as a all day everyday kind of you know smartphone you know replacement thing i'd want to use that as a watch so i'm not going to be texting anybody or anything like that but i do like it i wonder what this massive gold ring this person's got on is that a wedding ring or is that just another smart ring that looks mad isn't it? it looks very cultish isn't it? that ring that person's got on their right hand there on the picture if anybody knows what that ring is let me know it looks fucking huge maybe it's just some jewelry oh didn't clean their nails that's a come on man you can't be doing pictures like this and not cleaning and not getting a pedicure it looks a bit nasty there but hey oh sorry a manicure sorry it looks a bit nasty but hey what do i know that's it in it apple ultra watch is coming at you very soon i can't wait to get mine i'm definitely considering it and hopefully i do hopefully i do next on the list we have news courtesy of variety pretty interesting news um which um reflects next on for next Next, we got some pretty interesting news, courtesy of Variety, regarding my favorite hip-hop artists out there and somebody that I really um, rate, Future, right? I listen to him every single day. I've been a big fan of Future from Day Dot, from Pluto Days, and he's just somebody I've kind of followed for a long time. I've seen him perform many, many times live. Um, he's definitely somebody that I regard as a GOAT in terms of this trap sound or whatever it is that you might call it. But just in general for being like a really hardworking artist who's able to kind of, you know, present many flows. He's evolved kind of over the years and just become a real, I think, well-rounded, altogether artist who's able to do melodies, hooks, verses, ad-libs, and just everything else in between to an extreme level. And I love the lore the stories around him right the the studio stories of people hanging out with him in the studio and him basically recording an album's worth of material in one session um him being in the studio every single day if he's not with some random ig baddie he's in the studio slaving away and kind of putting together a masterpiece hit record that's going to live on and become a bit of a meme and you know essentially feeding from generation to generations to come I'll feed his family, sorry, for generations to come. But this is a pretty interesting development with his business. So, this is courtesy of Variety. It says as follows. Variety, sorry, Future sells publishing catalog to influence, part, influence media partners. It says as follows. Influence media partners has acquired Grammy-winning Future's publishing catalog from 2004 to 2020, the company announced. The prolific rapper's work from those years spans 612 titles, including titles of frequent collaborator Drake, Life is Good, Jumpman, um, Kendrick Lamar, King's Dead, Rihanna, Selfish, and The Weeknd's Low Life, and his own solo hits like Mask Off. A source close to the situation tells Variety the deal is in a high eight figures. Now, the thing that's interesting about this is that, from what I can understand, Publishing is what you would do if you were going to license a future track for like a TV series or if you're going to make a cover record for it or something, right? But Future still owns the master source record. So he's just sold the publishing rights of it, but he still maintains a big chunk of whatever money that's going to be generated from those records still, which is a crazy deal. So it's kind of like double dipping, but not really because he's still going to be paid twofold. So he gets paid a lump sum for the publishing, but he still holds a master's and he gets whatever he gets on a monthly, yearly, basis that comes in for people that want to use permission of his art of his work or whatever sample blah 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 going forward now the figure is another interesting part of it because if i'm not mistaken being a fucking future geek that i am i do remember there being rumors from a long time ago that future signed one of the craziest deals in a record industry has ever seen this was like 2015-ish times, right? Um, I think around that sort of time. I think they were speaking about it in terms of the same way that Birdman um, did with kind of cash money or young money back in the day where he signed a crazy, crazy deal that essentially, you know, he was able to make multi, multi, multiple multiple 
millions, which is why, you know, he kind of lives, you know, the, the lifestyle he basically lives, right? An absolute boss and, you know, lives very, very lavishly. And I think at the time, someone said record industry basically got duped into giving him that deal and then they closed the doors. I've never given anyone that kind of deal again. But then I remember the only thing that came close to it was the rumors of future. But then I remember him confirming semi on some Atlanta-based radio station in like 2018 that he did actually sign another deal in 2018, I think, um, that was worth somewhere a region of like 50 million, which is pretty insane. And then after that, to sell, to sign a deal for 50 million on the masters of your records and then sell the publishing, which I've heard is anywhere between 50 to 75 mil, is absolutely wild. Like he's absolutely cashed out. And there's still the possibility of him further down the line, you know, maybe a decade later, um, deciding to sell even more of his publishing. Because 2004 to 2020 is one thing, but for the most part, you'd say the majority of his work that people would actually give a F about in terms of publishing would be from about 2014-ish onwards. That'll be when Futures kind of, you know, was actually started to gain prominence in kind of um, the wider culture and people started to take notice of him. So, and considering how prolific he is in terms of his work, his output and stuff, he could easily make back those records that he put out. I know there's some monumental records on there, like Life is Good, Jumpman, Rihanna's Selfish, King is Dead with Kendrick Lamar, but there's still an opportunity for him to make some classic records going forward, and especially this new version of Future. Because beforehand, this ver the version of Future who was like popping pills and sipping on lean is maybe a bit different, but... I feel like this version of Future, similar to The Weeknd, they talk a big game about doing however many drugs they allegedly do, but there's no way people like The Weeknd and Future can perform or can produce quality work to a level that they produce and get effed up every single day. I just don't believe it. It's not true. So that's why I'm also kind of... Um, I don't hold any doubt that when they do end up kind of getting back into the studio and really putting work together, they're going to be able to kind of you know, cover whatever they might have quote-unquote lost at the back of it. So it's a pretty clever deal. And I also think it's interesting overall that we're seeing so many artists nowadays selling their publishing. It's becoming quite a common thing that you're seeing with a certain artist kind of deciding, hey, I want to sell the publishing of my work. And maybe a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's a lump sum that you're going to get that you're probably never going to see again. You're not going to kind of turn that money down. And there's no guarantees in the, in the music industry that things remain the same. You know how messed up streaming, you know, streaming was meant to be the great kind of equalizer. The record industry came in and still found out a way to kind of swindle artists out of their streaming numbers and whatnot or diminish the amount of money that they get from that. So there's no telling what may happen in the next 10 years with the industry and, you know, and the technology in general that would kind of, you know, mess up a, an artist's ability to kind of make money from their art. And it continues here. Renee McLean, influence media partner and founding advisor, said Future is a cultural icon. He continues to be the blueprint for impact and success in the music industry and has reinvented music in ways that no one has ever expected. It's a rare to find someone who moves music and culture at the same speed, agree, and has distinct vocal and melodic style. His prolific career and continued popularity more than 15 years into the game is a testament of his undeniable influence and a contemporary music and a cultural landscape. We're honored to partner with him. So that's true, actually, what they're saying here. I think a lot of it has to do with getting legacy quote-unquote acts to sell their publishing because you know their stuff still holds weight you know their stuff still moves people still give a crap about it but not so much the sort of like you know fly by night come easy come easy go sort of artist so that's why maybe this could also be a wise a kind of cautionary tale to up-and-coming artists coming up-and-coming artists for the most part that they maybe shouldn't shouldn't um you know spend a lot of their time trying to produce viral hits for the moment that you maybe concentrate on their artistry and create music that will test us stand the test of time because you never know what happened down that down the end of the line right someone might come in and decide that they want to buy your masters or your publishing off of you and you know they're only going to buy stuff that's worth it and obviously stuff that kind of connects with people in a big and meaningful way it continued here future added i put everything into my music and i want to make sure that these are in good hands and as i thought about the next chapter of these songs i'm proud to partner up with renee and the team at influence media and send um the signal that this music has timeless value my music is my art and these songs represent some of the most precious artwork in my career 100 agree man he the way this man paints sonic canvases like no other toxic sonic canvases like is the king um, he says we consider the future an artist of all of, of the ages. He resonates across the spectrum of demographics. We're so excited about the partnership. It's fitting addition to the growing repertoire of our top tier talent and promotes our forward thinking mission. During my tenure, Epic Records, I was able to work with the support futures throughout his pivotal career. Now that influence, now influence, sorry, it feels like fate to be able to collaborate with him again and alongside the dynamic partners to protect 
um, his legacy and works. Said Influence Media co-managing partner, Lynn Hazan. So really incredible to see. Um, it says here, um, 16 years, eight studio albums. Duh, duh, duh. So is that is that all that's covered in it? Oh, no, it's just home overall. But I think it covered, how many music? It covered, yeah, 612 titles overall it covered. So it's a pretty substantial amount of work that he's kind of handed over for that money. But in general, well done to him, man. Well done to him. And then I wanted to talk about this quickly. So obviously it's London Fashion Week and that's popping off. Loads of great collections that I've kind of, you know, peeped and whatnot. And I'm sure some of you guys have peeped them too. But the one thing I wanted to quickly point out was an interesting development, especially considering that I just returned from a destination wedding, a friend of a friend's wedding that I went to that was absolutely banging. And I had to go out there and buy a suit for myself. And I left it lastminute.com and ended up having to get a really crappy version of a suit. And then I kind of came home and realized that I actually do need maybe a couple of suits to my wardrobe that I can pull out and wear at any time when it pertains to some sort of um, gathering or special event I need to go to. Because I think that's really a marker of somebody having a complete wardrobe, right? I think of a complete wardrobe of being like a pretty decent denim suit, a nice biker jacket, a trench coat, a nice pair of wash jeans, a nice pair of dark navy jeans, um, maybe a nice tracksuit, a decent pullover hoodie, a couple of nice sweats, t-shirts that fit good, right? There's a typical like men's suit that you, sorry, a men's sort of like wardrobe that should cover most things that you can kind of mix and match stuff with. And I feel like the suit is definitely something that's clearly overlooked, especially for someone like myself who's more fashion-y, streetwear kind of focused. But I thought this pictures, courtesy of Philip Yo, or Philip O, sorry, um, from London Fashion Week, spring 2023, street style pictures really resonated with me because it looks like there is a current theme going on at the moment with people wearing suits, like casually, like wearing, or something tailored. And I'm not sure if this is a reaction to streetwear as a lot of flipping dog whistling journalists like to say because they want to get rid of the blacks and browns from the fashion industry but i do like it in general so i'm kind of flicking through some and obviously you can see different iterations of suits here that people are wearing something a little bit more um you know kind of what do you call it out there in terms of it being double-breasted with these buttons additions on there but i really like that a kind of relaxed version of it with just a, with the person here wearing a blazer um you've got maybe is that simona russia yeah i think so um, and a different version of a suit also here towards the left. Hamish Bowles wearing Hamish Bowles or Hamish Bowles, I forgot how you pronounce his name. He's also wearing a pretty dapper suit. It looks like a really wide corduroy, um, you know, plum double breasted suit with a nice um, contrasting uh, knit on the inside too. That looks awesome. And yeah, you're seeing some real cool additions with them um, suiting overall. So there's definitely something going on in the zeitgeist with suits. We see a cool couple here wearing a cool suit. He's wearing like a, I don't know what you call that. I know you call that what a blue pinstripe. I don't know what you call that color, but um, Aztec or whatever, or Azul or something. So some pretty cool stuff you're seeing here, in terms of um, what you call it, in terms of suiting. You got this guy here wearing the denim tears overshirt thing that came out recently. That's pretty nice to see actually, with obviously the shoe of the flipping. Shoe of the year, if it was like, or the shoe of the last 18 months. These Solomons have been going crazy. The black pair, the white pair. I hate it, I hate them immediately because he's wearing white socks and black jeans. That's the kind of typical sign of somebody who's a little bit of a hipster. So I'm not really on that vibe, but I still like the Solomons and the shirt regardless. Um, I like this look here on the right. With, with, it looks like a kill and a, and a pink stripe. Um, what do you call it? Well, what do you call it? Like a club neck shirt. That's not too shabby. Again, another image of somebody wearing a pretty decent suit. So I think the suiting thing is definitely back. There's definitely some sort of resurgence. Again, blazers. It's quite interesting to see. The moment I need a suit, the moment I start noticing suits, the moment I start noticing them everywhere. Another person with a cool suit on. Just great suits on altogether. A cropped version of it. I could see some good and interesting stuff overall, considering all things inquired. So maybe this is a sign that you also need to go out there and buy yourself a decent suit that you can use, um, you know, all year round for whatever special occasion that happens in your life. It's super, super, super important. And um, I feel like I've kind of learned that lesson over the last couple of weeks, especially considering where I was over the last couple of weekends and whatnot. So, yeah, big up Philip O, big up everybody that attended London Fashion Week. You guys look absolutely stellar. This usually is a, my favorite part of London Fashion Week anyway, checking out the street star pictures. I feel like the runway shows are sometimes flat to deceive in general, but the street star pictures are always great, in my opinion. Always, 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 always great.
Oh yeah, look look at that suit. That's pretty nice too, isn't it? That white one. Very, very well put together. A kind of a slim fit top or blazer with some wide relaxed bottoms. I couldn't wear this off-white um, sort of suit anyway because I'd immediately flip it and stain it up and make it look horrendous. So it uh, looks good on him, but definitely not, won't, won't look that good on me. Let's not kid about us. Let's not kid ourselves on that one. Let's not kid ourselves on that one. Okay, moving on from that, we have news courtesy of Mixmag, which is quite upsetting, really, especially for my... Um, interest you know you guys know i'm kind of obsessed with nightlife i'm obsessed with club culture i'm obsessed with djs i'm obsessed with just dance music in general and i kind of spend a lot of my time in these places getting absolutely larry having a good time having a dance and seeing my favorite artists but according to Mixmag, the following has been said right three and four uk nightlife businesses report being on financial cliff edge so everything people are saying about once the pandemic is over and the government tell places that they can reopen again things are going to get back to normal people are going to be steamrolling out of their house and rolling into flipping um clubs to basically enjoy themselves after spending so much time locked indoors what was it 18 months or so under some level of restriction, I knew that that wouldn't be the case the moment I went to my first club night. I kind of had a feeling, I was like, oh, this isn't ever going to get back to pre-2019 era because it felt like, for the most part, many, many people, especially, um, you know, uh, people that had immigrated over here recently to just study or to work, it felt like a lot of those people, especially the Spanish, the French and the Italians, had moved back home and had decided they're not going to move back again. I think the pandemic was an, a good kind of excuse to sort of, like, try to live in the country that you're in at your adult age and enjoy it for what it is because I think a lot of those people kind of left those places seeking a better life seeking fun and an adventure in London got here and realised it's not that great it's a cool city don't get me wrong but it's not a place that you should maybe leave your country and stay at forever it's a place maybe to come make some money and dip and go somewhere else but I think long term future wise those other countries I mentioned like Spain France and Italy they have a way better um, quality of life in general than we do over here in the UK just think about the weather alone obviously maybe the financial side of things is difficult especially in places like spain the economy isn't the greatest it's pretty hard to get a good decent job but overall overall um it's still a better sort of way of life day to day like i went to like a random random restaurant actually in madrid the other day where i went to have some flipping tapas and whatnot and just there the flipping um beers that they serve you always come in a chilled glass um, the ice cubes that they give you in your glass, um, and if, of course it's free pour, but the ice cubes they give you are incredibly chunky. So even though they free pour the drinks, you don't get totally smashed because they dilute the, the or you know they, they they put enough ice in there to kind of keep you merry and keep you ticking, but not enough to get you absolutely sloshed, which obviously helps them because you end up buying more drinks. But just a, a care and attention to detail in just a restaurant in serving you a beer in a chilled glass to kind of offset the incredibly hot food that you're eating and the incredibly hot environment you're in was incredible you don't see that anywhere most places you know especially places like a weatherspoon or other pubs in metropolitan areas some of them they won't even give you a glass cup because of the complaints they've had from previous punters you all come in plastic so imagine that so all of those things kind of made me think that you know what maybe all those people leaving were never going to come back once they went back home again and realize how amazing everything is at home because the grass isn't always greener and then i remember reading the article that i mentioned all the time here from that founder of the nightclub in munich called blitz and he was basically saying that hey it doesn't matter if we reopen right now because i think this is when germany was starting to slowly but surely ease the restrictions especially on nightlife he was like it doesn't matter because the great people that I had working in this club who made the club what it is have now kind of gone away and moved into different industries because I guess during the time of the lockdown he couldn't provide him with any work and those people went and started doing other stuff or started to explore other interests or go back to school and they just maybe just got completely turned off for service industry stuff because a lot of people who work those kind of jobs to have an extended break it maybe made you realise hey do I really want to be spending my time you know being a bar back or working in a restaurant and whatnot and they decided to change course so a lot of those businesses are suffering and this is probably um, something that maybe extends to the UK as well a lot of the good places are essentially struggling to fill up their staff up I've seen you know many many posts many posts from clubs basically asking for help for people during the weekend and stuff so there's clearly an issue there but anyway the article itself says as follows more than a quarter of nightlife businesses including promoters clubs and even event organizers have reported being on a financial cliff edge the nightlife industry is currently seeing the detrimental effects of the cost of living crisis which threatens to force closure on nearly a quarter of nightlife businesses just in months the nightlife industry's association which is called the ntia issue a flash poll earlier this week to 
show the impact of inflation on these businesses that found that they're barely breaking even. God damn it, man. Of those surveyed, three out of the four businesses reported that they were either breaking even or losing money almost a quarter, um, said that they were not surviving the next few months. I knew it was a problem the moment I went to my first fold rave, honestly. And I went to a couple of other kind of big ticket items or raves like seeing Dixon and whatnot. But the first time I knew it was kind of over in terms of clubs in general and it not returning back to post you know, to pre-2019 days was when I went to fold. Because fold, I felt like when I went there, especially when the lockdown eased, all I saw were hardcore ravers. I didn't see general punters. And that's one of the one things that kind of makes clubbing what it is. The mix between club kids, um, you know, um, chin strokers or whatever it may be, and just regular punters who have nowhere else to go on a weekend or after dinner and just want to hang out and dance and have a drink. Do you know what I mean? They obviously fill in the gaps, but obviously a lot of these places take those people for, for, for granted. So now that those people have moved on, had babies, like a lot of the friends that I used to go out with have got hooked up, have got hitched up, have had babies, have started families, have big ones, have gone into other industries, have started businesses and whatnot. They don't really have time to rave anymore. They've kind of all been raved out. So a lot of it has never really returned back. And then all the younger kids coming up, I remember someone mentioning it prior, another video I put out there, they're basically saying a lot of the younger kids just don't have the money to basically go to nightclubs. So they're doing alternative things they're maybe booking airbnbs they're doing forest raves they're doing warehouse raves they're hanging out at home they're going to pirate studio and buying drinks and getting licked in there many many things are happening so the whole clubbing thing is the sort of um the, the pillar it was the kind of pulpit it was placed on is definitely not there anymore it continues um, 80.6% 80 of nightlife businesses surveyed have been have seen a decrease in footflow, while 82 have seen revenue decrease in just the three months. A quote: As a number of falling businesses, we engage. Sorry, as a number of failing businesses, we engage with Escalate on a day-to-day -day basis. With many business owners and operators emotionally and mentally drained for over three years of uncertainty, questions are quite rightly being asked of the government and its plans for the sector, says the NTIA's Michael Kill. The time is quickly running out, with hundreds of businesses already unable to hold on, making irreversible decisions about their future without, with thousands of jobs, with thousands of jobs um, lost or at risk. Big up Michael Kill too. He's always putting it on the government in terms of um, their, you know, lack of response or lack of help considering everything to do with the nightlife industry. So bless him for always putting it out there. And it says it continued. Um, when asked what kind of relief could be given to their survival, almost 85% of businesses punted to VAT reductions, while 68.8% said an energy freeze or cap would be enormously helpful. The government said to explore the cost of living crisis further on Friday. Um, it says here the quote on Friday we need a concise and detailed plan from our government on how they engage and support us uh, with this crisis. Nothing less than this is acceptable. So let's see what happens going forward. Let's see what happens going forward. Next on the list, I quickly want to mention this news courtesy of Supreme regarding a pretty amazing collaboration they've put together with Yoji Yamamoto. It's absolutely incredible looking because I know I shouldn't really like it because it looks a little bit crass, a little bit... Um, a little bit juvenile, but I love it. I love it. I love it. And again, it's another example of how perfect um, Supreme seem to get their get their collaborations. It all seems to make sense. There's nothing that feels too tryhardy. It just all kind of has a weird quote unquote synergy that you feel like is kind of emanating between both of the brands, and they usually bring the best out of each other. And I absolutely love what they what they've done here with Yoji Yamamoto. So it is courtesy of Supreme News, you know, regarding their Yoji Yamamoto collaboration. So Supreme has worked with Yoji Yamamoto on a new collection for a Vanson jacket, Bomber jacket, Parker, uh, Bayer, Bayer, yeah, Bayer sweatshirt, cargo pant, free t-shirts, beanie, Dr. Martin's 1461, free whole eye shoe and skateboard. The bomber jacket, puffer sweater and shirt and hooded sweatshirt and t-shirt and skateboard will feature original artwork from Tekken. Absolutely incredible because I think there's a Tekken thing out at the moment, right, on Netflix. I forgot what it's called. It's like an animation anime thing. So maybe this is part of the promotion. I'm not too sure. It's going to be available from September 22nd and available in Japan from September 24th. So check it out if you haven't already. The pictures of it are absolutely crazy good too. You've got ASAP Nast of ASAP Mob modeling a lot of it. I'm not too sure if this is a Tremaine kind of introduction, but I think he suits and fits them very well, especially considering the amount of kind of old school supreme stuff that he wears over the years and just a 
stuff, you know, just in terms of him kind of stunning on the gram in general, it definitely fits. Um, so you see here the Vanson, the Vanson leather sort of like, you know, um, two piece with the jacket and the trouser looks pretty decent. I, f I get the fucking trousers would be fucking hot as hell. And it looks like it's a two jackets basically put in half with one side being the Supreme jacket, the other side being Yojo Moto, and it's kind of sewed together. It looks absolutely incredible too in the white. So definitely something that I would consider buying if I had the coinages. You've got another image here of ASAP now sitting down with a pretty decent pullover hoodie on there and the pants in black look far better than the ones in that gray. Has to be said. But my favorite, the serious response for me because I'm in that mood, is this flipping suit. I'm not sure if this suit is silk, not sure if it's satin, not sure if it's just straight up cotton, but I love how relaxed it is in terms of a look. It looks really, really relaxed. And obviously the 1461s are there and they look pretty cool too. They're obviously not going to be the ones I'm probably going to want to buy because I want to buy the flipping, what's it called, it? the um, 1461s that he's done obviously with Yoja Motor. They're much better than these sort of plain ones, but still... That look looks really, really amazing. It reminds me of stuff that you might have seen from Com de Garçon's shirt or whatnot, right? Or old you know, Jojo Ramoto. So old, um, what's his face? You know the other guy. Old, uh, what's his name? The guy that does um, CDG as well. He's got his own thing under CDG. Doesn't matter. Anyway, continue. Um, this Down Parker thing, I'm not really the biggest fan of. I think it looks pretty cheap to me. Maybe it might be the worst thing in the collection overall, in my opinion. Um, obviously, this jacket is goes hard with the Tekken character on the front. And I think it's got the same character on the back too. So that that looks definitely hard. And obviously, this buyer kind of sweatshirt, buyer sweatshirt looks pretty sick too. I've got one that I purchased from Mexico City many, many, many years ago that I absolutely live in and has been absolutely covered and riddled in flipping smart. So maybe there's a good chance to replace it also. So I'm definitely down on that. And you see another picture of the model sitting down wearing a pair of cargo satin pants. Um, the shirt with all the faces on it of different girls from all around the world. And that's obviously got blocked by every song account out there. But it looks absolutely incredible, I think, altogether. I really, really like that look. Especially that kind of um, faux fur... Um, sort of combat trouser thing that's an amazing thing to put on especially when you're going to do flipping um, work with the army and stuff with people it looks absolutely incredible I love it all so yeah good knits as well let's continue decent t-shirts but yeah absolutely banging love everything about it of course that's the Dr. Martin I was talking about with the fly designer they look way better than the other one that we saw um, featured from that guy just plain black Obviously, if you go for sixty one, you have to make it a little bit special. But yeah, I'm a big fan of it. And maybe I'll get the white. I think the grey or black is a bit boring. I'll get the white one. It looks pretty cool. It looks pretty cool. So, moving on from that one. We've got news here, courtesy of Complex. Finally, it feels like it's over. Finally, it feels like maybe we're going to get some level of respite when it comes to Kanye ranting and raving online about his bad business deals, you know, forcing us to care about his business. Then at the same breath, saying how much of a genius he is. It's just really frustrating, especially someone like myself who I consider myself to be a bit of a Kanye stan. You know, I, I used to kind of rush home to kind of watch him give a press conference. I really, really was kind of obsessed with the guy. I love the fact that he kind of essentially practiced his way into becoming a great he was never really considered one in the beginning um, and he just worked really hard at it which is why I always kind of support the Ronaldo hype more than the Messi hype because I feel like Messi was just naturally gifted from day dot right from the day he came out of his mother's womb he was probably able to flip in you know dust and leave in the dust flipping you know grown adults but Ronaldo had to kind of learn the hard way he had to get absolutely battered and bruised when he come to him at night that first season but he learned and turned into an absolute beast so I'm a big fan of his but anyway continuing on with this topic Kanye says he he's terminated the gap deal and says he's the only one who could save the brand so this is courtesy of uh, the station called what is it CNBC where they had an interview with Kanye and he spoke briefly about the entirety of the issues at hand concerning him with gap for joining us absolutely thank you for having me so talk to us about what happened here why are you terminating this deal with gap uh, well, it was always a dream of mine to be at The Gap and to uh, bring the best product possible to the masses. And I always talk to them about doing uh, products for $20, like the best product in the world, uh, designed at the same level of the top fashion houses in the world at $20 for the people. 
And so we went through three years and, you know, obviously there's always like struggles and back and forth when you're trying to build something new and integrate teams. Uh, so we designed, uh, um, we designed an entire collection and uh, actually uh, I wasn't able to set the actual price uh, that I wanted for this collection. And then they actually took one of the shirts and sold it for $19. So, so didn't price my stuff, priced my stuff at like 200 and mm. above their whole price point normally. And then did the exact shirt for, uh, for $20. Also, they did pop-ups and uh, I signed on with them because they had, uh, in the contract, they said they were gonna do stores and they just ignored us about building stores constantly. And it, 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 it was very frustrating. It was very disheartening because I just put everything I had. I, I put, you know, all of my top relationships. I went and got Dimna, the head designer of Balenciaga, which is one of the hottest brands in the world to come. He does couture. And yeah. with that relationship, he, he ended up, you know, working on a Gap uh, collection for me. There are a lot of like things colorways that I didn't approve. There's a lot of places that the product went to certain sites where they just it was like they were just dog dog and pony and the idea around town. And sometimes I would talk to the guys, the heads up, the leaders, and it would just be like I was on mute or something. And they totally our, our agenda. It wasn't aligned. And I know, you know, my family, we're, we're garmentos, you know, my, my family. Anyway, you get the point of it, right? He kind of ended a deal because he didn't feel like um, Gap were fulfilling the promises on their end in terms of whatever they agreed in the contract. My issue with this sort of stuff is that it does sound like to me that Kanye just doesn't know how to function or operate in corporate in the corporate world. Yet he always tries to garner the attention of these big wigs because that's where the money is at. That's where there may be contacts at, the resources, um, the access to certain things. So he doesn't know how to communicate with them. Clearly is really having difficult understanding them. But then he then goes and rages at them when they don't give him what he wants. And I think it's quite refreshing as a Kanye fan that he did kind of hit this hurdle because I feel like in general, in the most part, people just cave to Kanye and his influence because of how, you know, kind of outsized he is in that kind of terms but when you have kind of old school executives who have been at gap for many many years who just you know do the bare minimum get their bonuses put their kids through school go on vacations in greece those type of people are extremely risk adverse so it's going to take a lot for them to really be convinced that they should take a chance or a punt on you even if you've got the numbers that display it even if you sell out a million stuff and break a website they don't know if that's just like trolls or people botting or actual general people actually want to come and see you sort of like you know do whatever it may be so i do like the fact that that you know maybe this is a maybe a wake-up call for kanye in terms of his business dealing with the corporate stuff and maybe he can maybe decide hey going forward i'm done i do remember there was an article that came out where he did say he was completely done with working with corporate um industries and he's going to do everything himself which is going to be extremely hard but now he has the money the experience the resources and quite clearly the proof of concept that he can operate at that kind of scale maybe he'll get people reaching out and kind of helping him and wanting to kind of do that thing going forward but in general i just think it's funny it's interesting when it comes to kind of this sort of stuff like one breath he tells us he's a genius and that he's all seeing all knowing and next moment he's like posting up you know screenshots of his contract and asking for help from the public who he i essentially think disregards and doesn't really take too seriously so it's a strange one but i guess it kind of is what it is let's move on from that one let's quickly talk about this um this is courtesy of this is courtesy of complex style regarding little yai and him talking about obviously the creation of his pizza coming out and just his general influence on style the way people view him but i thought the most interesting comments were the ones concerning um his relationship with drake and the recent tattoo he got, right? I thought that absolutely pretty in hilarious and interesting conversation in general. So let me get see if I can get this up for you and we can um, carry on with this. Duh, 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 duh. Um... Yeah, so this is it. So it continues here. So as you see a picture here of Lil Yachty sitting in the Drake's jet, which is pretty baller. Um, it looks like a Drake jet too, right? It's all flipping 
gold and you know um, lavish and whatnot. And he's eating a, a plate of wings with, with some Sprite, which I guess is a classic combination over there in the States. Um, you know, got his nails did and his little denim outfit. People saying that, you know, Drake flew out little yatty like a little baddie. But I clearly think that they've got a little relationship going on. The fact that Drake is wearing a flipping Maybach um, snapback hat is absolutely hilarious and not lost on me at all and slight. It's best to continue. Um, the quote, so the question from Complex says, how was Air Drake for your birthday? How did it come? How did that come to about? He said, that's my fucking guy. I talk to Drake every day. What was your first time? That Was that your first time on a jet, though? He says, yeah, that was my first time on a jet. It's pretty sick. Not pretty sick. It's amazing. I don't like talking about Drake much because I just respect his privacy so much. And also, you want to be his friend. Like, come on. If, you, if there's one way to be somebody's friend, especially a notable person who's mega, mega famous, if there's a good way to kind of, you know, um, hack yourself and in their social group and become an integral member of their friendship circle, it's just to be the guy that never talks about anything concerning them. You'd never make it public, you're even friends with them. You don't take pictures together. You don't ask for pictures. You don't ask for autographs. You don't ask for nothing. You just stand next to them and hear what they say and try and absorb as much game as you can. And hopefully down the line, they'll reward you with a little quick follow on flipping the old IG. It continues here. I never post a, I never post with him. I never even post with him. It's just my birthday and we were sitting next to each other like, hey, let's take this picture. I never really post anything about him or with him, but me and the boy are really, really close. <laughs> Calling Drake the boy is really cringy. So I think we're going to get to the part where I'm a little bit, you know, deterred by it. Let's continue. He's like my fucking brother. Um, every day on the internet with these stupid ass jokes thinking shit is funny it's so crazy how people on the internet live this false reality this false narrative but I'd get it if life in life in real life they're probably not doing nothing they just talk shit wherever it helps but bro it's a real world outside I don't understand these sort of real world comments because for the most part I think especially for us you know those of us out there who are kind of addicted to their smartphone I know I am and I can't wait for Sober October so I can get flipping you know so I can break that fucking connection but I think oh, those of us who are obsessed with their mobile phones or on social media 24 7 we know you know we know the reality that life is basically or that social media is an extension of real life or reflection of it we don't we you know we're not kind of assuming that the things that happen on twitter aren't somehow related or reflected in the real world especially concerning you know hot button topics they might start on twitter but they'll say but surely filter right into the wider public and everyone will be talking about it or trying to pretend that they didn't hear it but it's, it's a standard thing that happens um in general going forward but anyway let's continue um it says here what are you referring to exactly? Complex asks him. And he says, just negative comments, any kind of negativity. Like when I posted my OVO tattoo, it was actually kind of funny. I'm not going to lie, but people had all these jokes like I rode the plane so to get a new tattoo. Now, the issue I have with a tattoo is that it's really cringy for me personally. I can't imagine getting a tattoo of another man's record label on my wrist and it making any kind of sense. I really couldn't. And again, if Drake wasn't Drake, would you get a tattoo of you of, of that label flipping on your arm? Probably not. So that's a bit cringe. And I'm I'm the same person who thought it was cringe when Dave Chappelle was handing out all those fucking C-word chains to all his flipping comedian friends that were on the show, what they were on tour with him at that time. And they were wearing them proudly. And I think um DL Hoogley or somebody else was on a radio show basically getting ripped for basically wearing another man's chain, like wearing his name across your neck, which is essentially like him saying like, hey, you're mine, which is really possessive and something that I don't want to ever get involved in in the slightest. So clearly there's something going on there. Um, it continues. Um, first off, I had this tattooed like two weeks before. That's why it looks like it's piercing. But there's some, but there's some significance to what from about you. Uh, it says, yeah, I really fuck with him. I just, I just stay. Well, I just say that to say, if you can't see it on the internet, people have no comprehension of what's happening. Yeah, of course, the friendship vibe is one thing, but there's still something corny about getting a flipping owl tattoo on your arm. Doesn't matter if you get Rockefeller, doesn't matter if you get Rock Nation, if you get Golf Wang, if you get TDE, there is something extremely cringe about going to a tattoo shop and saying, hey, can I have a tattoo of my fucking hero? Who's your hero? You know, bloody you know pat melichick or whatever his name is <laughs> i mean it's not really the best way to go about things so but yeah big up little yaki regardless hopefully he had fun on his birthday hopefully he had fun on his birthday 
So I'm sure most of you are aware of this news that happened a couple of days ago, but it looks like Drake got trolled into revealing his DMs um, that he kind of sent to Anthony Fantano. And yes, I'm talking about Anthony Fantano or Fantano, however you pronounce his name. The guy who does um, the music reviews on the internet, on YouTube. The guy who says I'm the no, no, the business music nerd or something like that, right? So it's it's kind of not a... It's not. It's something that most people would know who are familiar with his content. That he's not the biggest Drake fan. He kind of does go out of his way to kind of really dig into Drake and insult his music, which for whatever reason I'm not really too sure. But he's extra mean of it when it comes to flipping, um, you know, when it comes to Drake. But I guess there were some rumors swelling around that maybe Drake has sent him a DM. So I guess um, Anti Fantana kind of you know jumped on that meme to kind of gain himself some traction and put together a pretty elaborate story that people thought at first was true but then the real dms came out courtesy of drake because he was fed up with people basically putting out fake dms against his name so clearly he's seeing everything but just wants to prepare cool it continues here this is a fake text message from champagne happy to flip in Aubrey says hey Anthony it's Jizzy I know we don't really see eye to eye or uh, eye to eye about music and that you have a lot of you're not my biggest fan in the most of my albums thanks for the kind words and take care and if you're reading this though <laughs> just flipping insane to think that somebody as big as fucking Drake is wasting time wait, watching fucking Anthony Fantano it says here can always hope you'll take the next take was that can always hope you'll like the next the next one um it says i'm not messaging you about your videos i'm mess actually messaging you because i found a really great vegan cookie recipe i'd love you to try <laughs> hilarious it says as follows here um let's continue to the next screenshot here taken from the account it says okay here it is ingredients list the whole ingredients of the vegan flipping um pasta that you've meant to be put together for somebody and never actually shows people how to absolutely make it so crazy 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 person but anyway regardless that basically happened people are waiting for their shoes and stuff and hopefully news is kind of far better going forward hopefully it's better going forward because i cannot deal i simply cannot deal Anyway, quickly wanted to mention this actually. This is pretty cool. So this is courtesy of Over Under and it features the brand new Bottega Veneta pillow sneakers. Now, ever since Daniel Lee got booted from Bottega Veneta for describing somebody in a room allegedly as being the N-word or something, who knows what actually happened, but you know, the reaction to it wasn't the greatest. Obviously, a lot of you might have seen my, my clip on it that I kind of took from my podcast talking about the whole issue. But ever since then, uh, Matthew Blasey has taken over with rave reviews, the debut collection was pretty solid if not a little bit repetitive but i do feel like he's solid but surely gonna gain get his feet under the table and by season three in his still arsenal or any sort of time there at Patek Venera, i think we'll definitely start to see his own voice slowly but surely come in and i guess one of the things that you kind of have to focus on if you're a designer in that regard especially someone taking up for somebody else is that you need a sort of statement piece shoe a statement piece bag whatever it may be and i guess daniel lee i'm not sure who actually designed them because for whatever reason fashion industry doesn't actually detail you who the designer was of a certain bag who the designer was of a certain hat a certain pair of shoes as you, as you can tell obviously that's obviously concerning accessories accessory designers don't really get any light or any little sort of shine so even though i attribute all the success of the s you know the saint laurent heidi the saint laurent wyatt boot to heidi Semain, i have no idea if some other guy or some other girl or intern designed that wyatt boot and Semain just took all the credit for it i have no idea if daniel lee was the one who designed the classic kind of Bottega Veneta lug boot that's still a classic and still people wear those things to the ground I don't know if the you know Bottega Veneta flipping pillow sneaker that I'm seeing on screen was designed by Daniel Lee or by sorry by Daniel Lee sorry by my Patagio Blasi or some random person in the in the in the flipping company but regardless I think it's an interesting approach as a first sort of um stab at them sort of you know redefining the brand giving it new direction by allowing sort of then so sort of, by allowing sort of um the guy to actually put together a pair of sneakers that very much stands out in terms of whatever particular one that have done in the past i don't think they've done a skater-esque type shoe nothing in the 90s nothing with the puff sole or anything along the color line so it definitely looks pretty cool i'm not going to lie that all black pair with the yellow outsole that i'm seeing here on the screen is an instant buy especially if they find out a way of making this outsole um Bottega Veneta green is that possible or is that probably too much I'm not really sure but I'd love to see this shoe with a flipping green outsole I think they look absolutely banging I really do think they would but maybe it's just me maybe it's just me and then the next image here we have another image of him white which look pretty cool you know what they also remind me of a little bit you know those Alexander McQueen Stan Smith things that a lot of Essex boys like to wear with skinny jeans they remind me kind of of that 
So I wonder if these will turn in up to be, because they're particular now, a lot of rappers will just wear them because of that. And they'll wear them and they'll buy them because they don't, you know, they don't save money. Um, so you have a lot of people kind of coming back and wanting to sort of like quickly return it without any sort of bother. But I do like them in general. I feel they look pretty cool. The only thing that's a bit off-putting about it is that the first collection that Matteo Blasi did under Bottega Veneta, I wouldn't really describe as quote-unquote urban or having any sort of street influence, especially skateboarding. So it's a bit strange that the first foray into shoes would be shoes that look like this because... Although they're timeless, they're not really timeless. They're sort of mostly trendy. So if your teammates do need some help or whatnot, how are you meant to kind of get up and daydream from this and go and help them in the firefight? It just doesn't make any sense. Do you know what I mean? But in general, I do like them. I feel they look absolutely banging. This sort of um, skatery type shoe. Obviously, the aesthetic nowadays is kind of harkening back to that time of the early noughts and whatnot. So it's clear to see who's kind of being blamed for this and whatnot going forward. But that's nice itself. That is nice itself. Um, let's move on here quickly. Uh, bah, 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 bah. What was I talk about? Not this. Let's move on from that one. Um, not this. Not that. Yeah, I think that's my... I talked about Supreme already, didn't I? I'm pretty sure I did talk about Supreme. Um, let's talk about this quickly so you guys are aware that Midnight Studios made its debut runway debut a legit runway debut on New York Fashion at New York Fashion Week and I couldn't be more happier for the guy because I remember Midnight Studios when it first sort of started I think I may have still been on the Hypebeast forums I'm not too sure maybe I was just on the site a lot and I just remember him being extremely young Shane Gonzalez in terms of putting the label together and at the time when he put it together I remember it being a little bit of a copy of Saint Laurent at the time of the work that Heidi did of maybe the stuff that Jun Takashi did back in the day the undercover a lot of like punk a lot of like um a lot of punk a lot of rock influences um clearly a lot of band influences and clearly the aesthetic of being super skinny and whatnot is definitely something that appealed to Shane Gonzalez at the time so it definitely just felt like a little bit of a parody or kind of a yeah kind of a parody brand for Saint Laurent at the time that flipping you know Heidi Samuel was there but then slowly but surely oh actually you know what let's quickly check this have you seen this this is 2014 version of Midnight Studios and just look at how much this, this has fucking evolved from the stuff that he's now doing, you know, a few years later down the line at Presenter Cat News Fashion Week. Like, it's really fucking good compared to that stuff. Do you know what I mean? Clearly, a lot of work has gone into it. Clearly, a lot of care. And he bloody well knows it. Do you know what I mean? It looks absolutely marvelous. Really, really does look marvelous. Love everything about it. Not going to lie. Not going to lie. And obviously, you know, going back to the 2014 version of it, a lot of the shirts are currently fucking grails now. I do like the I do like the fucking shirts all together going forward. I think they look absolutely banging. Empty places, all this stuff. I mean, that's so sick, man. The t-shirts designed from Midnight Studios are always extremely underrated anyway. Doesn't get the props he deserves for those. Um, but yeah, he had a cool little interview and sit down with Vogue where he spoke about many, many things concerning his kind of ascent in culture and whatnot. And I think you should definitely check it out if you haven't already. Um, it's called At Midnight Studio. Shane Gosalis brings rock and roll and youth culture to New York Fashion Week. And you also get a little hint or a little kind of peep into the stuff he designed. Obviously, there's a him sort of collaboration going on over there too. And the looks that are kind of showcasing the show overall. We've got some pretty cool, interesting additions to bags. One looks like a flower holder. One looks like a circle. One looks like a boombox. Like some clever ways of sort of interpreting what's going on in the world and also what's going on at Midnight Studios. So great to see. And I love whatever this. What is this? Is that kind of acid wash? That purple sort of style people have a lot of. I love it. I love everything about it. Hopefully, see some more. I'm um, can't wait for this stuff to get into stores. And yeah, big up Shane Gonzalez for being an absolute boss. Big up Shane Gonzalez. Anyway, that is Vegas News Show episode number 602. Thanks again for tuning in. It's been a pleasure to have your time. It's been awesome. It's been lovely. It's been fine. If it's your first time checking out the show, you know what to do. Smash the like button. If you want to come back again, subscribe. If you listen to the show via the audio platforms, please make sure you leave me a review and share the show. That'd be greatly appreciated. All links concerning myself can be found in the show note descriptions. If not, just find me on social media and you can see it that way. But regardless, if you listen via the audio podcast, you'll hear my tune of the day. And if you're watching this via YouTube, you won't hear any tune, just straight to black. But regardless, thanks for tuning in i've really enjoyed it peace tell me if i fall would you pick me back niggas back around me because i got my back 
Got it out the mud, built it from the ground up. Counting all this money, but the love don't add up. I done made sacrifice after sacrifice, I swear Put my heart in this shit, but the love wasn't there I done made sacrifice after sacrifice, I swear Put my heart in this shit Driving up to five to get out the way To bring light to my city, I had to leave the bay I was scared as shit when I first moved to LA Barely surviving, I couldn't afford to make a mistake I bought my first studio off Sherman Way Me and Chelsea's in that motherfucker every day I lost my granny, lost my uncle, almost lost my way I lost my first deal, but shit, I never lost my faith If it wasn't for my mama and Haley Mazda I would've never made it to this point where I get acknowledged Pulling up the nigga sessions, nodding while they play they shit Acting like this shit is amazing for a relationship Ignoring phone calls, I'm getting sick of entertaining shit Outgrowing people that I love is becoming dangerous The people I'm around ain't the people I should've made it with And when they want more, they act like you never gave them shit Confidence come off as cocky, it's confusing to them Don't nobody take you serious till you prove it to them My mama was never Donda, but she was honest She would break her own heart before she break her promise She probably wish I would've stuck the hoop and went to college My auntie called me twice a week cause rappers out here dying My nigga Fur gave me his word and put the bag behind it You niggas only see these diamonds, not my sacrifices Tell me if I fall, would you pick me back? Niggas back around me cause I got my bag Got it out the mud, built it from the ground up Counting all this money, but the love don't add up I done made sacrifice after sacrifice, I swear Put my heart in this shit, but the love wasn't there I done made sacrifice after sacrifice, I swear Put my heart in this shit I'm still missing hungry, I'm still missing Bugsy I dedicate this to my son, he know his daddy love him I pray the work that I put in will be your stepping stone yeah. For you to get it on your own, cause ain't shit set in stone In life you gotta learn to navigate your highs and lows You looking up to me, I can't be out here moving wrong Can't let these streets be the reason that I'm not coming home I can't be locked up trying to raise my baby through a phone No, I had to make commitments I broke friendships, they paid for their decisions Everybody can't go That's when I learned to sacrifice my feelings for my dreams Can't let these niggas' insecurities divide the team Fuck you, man Tell me if I fall, would you pick me back up? Niggas back around me cause I got my bag Got it out the mud, built it from the ground up Counting all this money, but the love don't add up mm-hmm. I done made sacrifice after sacrifice, I swear